1: Today we're going to discuss how big brands utilize their brand equity. Joining us again today is Alan Adamson, who is the co-founder of Metaforce, which is a marketing agency comprised of an elite team of the industry's best talent with cross-platform experts in strategy, go-to-market planning, branding, creative, digital performance, marketing, and production. And yesterday, Alan and I had a really interesting conversation about why strong brand awareness won't help growing companies like Uber and WeWork. And today, we're going to turn the conversation towards maturing companies with maturing product lines and talk about why the new iPhones should do just fine. Okay, here's the rest of my conversation with Alan Adamson, co-founder at Metaforce. Alan, welcome back to the MarTech podcast.
2: Thanks for inviting me.
1: Glad to have you back here. Yesterday, we talked about how growing brands need to have some sort of connection between their business model and their brand. And when that connection gets out of sync, you end up with the type of problems that Uber and WeWork have, where at scale, all of a sudden, people start questioning why they should be working with you, what your company is about. When we look at the opposite side of the spectrum, the brands that have successfully scaled and achieved incredible success... How do you think about continuing to leverage your previous brand equity? Let's use the iPhone as an example. How do you feel the future of the iPhone and that business is going to continue to do?
2: Well, I think as you started off, the brand is a long-term thing. And if you focus only on what your brand is doing today and tomorrow, and you pay attention to that, like Uber, it's just getting me a ride in four minutes, then you potentially miss an opportunity to build a brand home. And I think the Apple, if the only focus is how many pixels are on the screen, or what's the battery life, If they had only been focused on delivering a better iPhone piece of hardware, they wouldn't be in a position they're in today. I think part of what has made Apple succeed is, yes, they need to be competitive and make sure their next generation phone, every time they introduce it, moves the peanut ahead and maybe not be as revolutionary as we would like. But they zoomed out a bit. They zoomed out to say, what else does Apple stand for? Not just better battery life and more processing speed.
1: I think that's the interesting thing about that maturing business is, you know, we talked about Uber becoming a commodity and how when there was product parity between Uber and Lyft, all of a sudden the spotlight was pointed towards their brand and, and it became a negative attribute. When you look at a company like Apple, I don't know if there's a huge difference between the Android, Pixel phone, Samsung's phones and the iPhones anymore. They're all relatively the same. But people still gravitate towards Apple because of what the brand stands for. How did they get to this point?
2: Well, I think they started with an idea that was not tied to a piece of hardware and technology. A piece of Appleness to me has always been I don't think I've ever read an Apple instruction manual for any product I've ever done. I just pick it up and I try to figure it out. So I think part of the core of Appleness is if I use an Apple. I will be able to master it and do it, not I will be stuck on the phone with customer care in a queue.
1: To me, part of this is the product stickiness and people are so invested in the brand and in the identity that it becomes not necessarily a product decision, but it becomes a personal positioning. I'm an Apple person.
2: Well, when you bought into the ecosystem and it becomes stickier and harder to change, if you're not only talking about a phone, you're talking about earpods, you're talking about a computer, you're talking about Apple TV. So they've zoomed out a bit. And of course, the software and the apps and that whole ecosystem keeps you stuck a little bit, even if you want to change
1: I honestly have some concerns about being a, I'm using air quotes that nobody can see, but being an Apple guy, I have the Apple TV. I'm one of the few people on the planet that actually uses the HomePod of all things. And I know that it's not necessarily the best product. I'm sure that the Amazon Alexa or the Google Home is a more feature rich product, but the problem becomes it would be the one product that I have that is outside of the ecosystem. And there's the question of how all of those things play together. I do want some sort of a home voice activated service, but it's just hard to step away and have one product line that's different than everything else that you have. Talk to me about from a brand perspective, why am I stuck?
2: The big challenge in many, many technology brands, and I use lots of them and do a lot of work in the category, is that technology is not always simple and easy. <laughs> Things go wrong. And if it's, you know, double click F5, 6 to get your screen back, that's not as intuitive as dragging and saying, Siri, get my screen back. So I think part of the intuition that technology has to be simple because no one wants to feel like an idiot asking their kid how to to use something, I think it's still valid. And the more dependent consumers' lives get on technology, the more the need for making sure I can use it.
1: So let's talk a little bit about how Apple got into this position where they're in an industry where my in-laws and my parents need to call me for figuring out how to unlock their iPhone every once in a while. And because they're in a complex and broad industry, they've somehow been able to position themselves as the easiest to use. How did Apple get to this point?
2: That sums it up really nicely, then, because they started with introducing products probably for the first iPod that you didn't have to read instructions to use. The computers were more intuitive than the PC counterparts. And then they continued it and said, look, what's going to be important is, yes, having products that are intuitive and idiot-proof but also having a place to go for help. And as technology has become more mission critical, when my dad has a problem on his Mac, I'll try over the phone to tell him to do something and turn it on and off. But I also know that I will say, Dad, just go to the Genius Bar, make an appointment. And I've been at the Genius Bar where the Apple employees are spending oodles of time with people that barely can plug in an appliance, much less work on a computer, and they're patient, and they are bringing them along. And so that ability to provide customer care is, I think, zooming out and saying, that's the differentiator as to why Apple doesn't necessarily need to convince you to buy their new iPhone based on a 15-minute increase in battery life.
1: A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi, who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co, that's M-U-T-I-N-E-X.co. Time for a one minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. I understand what you're saying and that Apple as a product line has support and they have a product for virtually everything that you would need for technology but that doesn't necessarily answer the question of how they got to that point from a brand perspective how did they earn the trust of consumers and what can we learn from what they've done
2: Well it's relentless focus on simplicity and intuitiveness from the industrial design to the packaging to the user interface they have for the most part kept it simple, stupid. And in a world of you have becoming more and more dependent on technology, it used to be my phone doesn't work, so I can't call somebody. But now if your phone doesn't work, you can't do business. It's mission critical.
1: I can't get home. Right. I can't open my front door. I can't even drive
2: anymore unless I, you know, open my phone and open Ways up. So I think that owning the high ground in terms of simplicity, ease of use, and when you call customer care now, the Apple experience for the phone support is getting better and better every year because some of this technology, they of course can screen share, but their attitude and their commitment to solving your problem has dramatically increased. So they become a partner in your business and a partner in your life more than just a supplier of a piece of hardware.
1: I think that that's really the important differentiator is that understanding the role that their products play in their consumers' lives and making that a positive experience as much as they can. Obviously, we all get frustrated at our phones. God knows I've never thrown my iPhone across the room they understood the position that their product or the purpose that their product had in their consumers' lives. So what can brand developers and companies that are in their growth stage take away the lessons from Apple and more maturing brands?
2: To some extent, is detach your brand from your product delivery. In other words, part of why you trust Apple is not necessarily based on a speed and feed issue. And lots of their competitors are still talking about features. And new gimmicks. And to some extent, staying true to who Apple was, which is if you don't want to read the instructions or how to use a piece of electronic equipment, you can buy Apple because you don't have to read the instructions. You can just intuitively figure it out. It's so simple. And I think the best brands have a core simple promise that they relentlessly try to deliver across every experience.
1: So as it turns out, keeping things simple is incredibly hard. Harder and harder. Right. And when you're figuring out what your brand stands for, and you're going through your Simon Sinek exercise, your golden circle, and you're figuring out your why, how, and what, how do you not make your brand promise overly complex? How do you focus on keeping it simple, but relevant? (laughs)
2: Yeah. And that's one of the biggest ailments for any company because companies want to be collaborative and everyone gets to have their word and you write a brand platform and everyone says, oh, we'll be a little friendly, but we'll be a little serious and we'll be a little fun. And there's a kumbaya feeling and you create something that no one can execute or you create something that you can't execute. So I think ultimately the hardest challenge you face in any organization is to try to get to a brand idea As simple as you'll never have to read an instruction book, I'm sure that's not the Apple idea, or FedEx, the absolute certainty when you interact with them. And the longer your brand promise, the longer your brand narrative, the longer your brand proof points are, if you end up with a full page of stuff and everyone gets their piece of it, you can be sure it will crash at liftoff.
1: So we started this conversation talking about why you think the Apple iPhones will continue to do well. At some point, you have to face the fact that you have product parity. And honestly, I have questions about whether I have the best phone or not.
2: I'm sure there are better phones, better price value relationships, more features, better screens, lighter weight. I think Apple is struggling to stay parity with the number of toys on the marketplace. But as you mentioned earlier on, yes, they have to tie because you can't be behind and get close to tying. And then they have to focus on where they can win which is making the ecosystem more coherent, (laughs) looping you around, surrounding you, and making it easier and easier when something goes wrong. Technology is great until it doesn't work. And the proof point for technology is not how well it works in a store when the salesperson hands it to you. It's how well it works when you're 11 o'clock on a Sunday night trying to get out that PowerPoint deck and everything is crashing or how much help you can get.
1: I think what's interesting about this is Apple is essentially not a innovator at this point, right? They're able to copy some of the features and figure out what other people like from their competitors and launch them in their next phone. Because they have a brand advantage and because they have such market penetration, they don't have to be first to market anymore. They just have to
2: give a better experience overall and zoom out. And their competitors know it. In New York last year, you saw Samsung trucks pop up on the corner where you could go in and get help on your Samsung phone. And it was like an Apple store out of a fast food truck. It was all right, but it was a long shot from making an appointment to sitting at a table and being able to go into the Apple store and have them put a screen protector on or teach you how to use FaceTime.
1: I think the big question is, you know, when you're working in this position like Apple and you have a brand advantage and you don't have to be focused on necessarily product innovation and you're not specifically focused on being price competitive, how do you maintain that advantage?
2: Well, step one is you got to continue to execute really well. And the bigger the company, the harder it is. I think the last launch, the number of software updates until your phone actually worked in the new operating system was phenomenal. So they can't get sloppy. They've got to be phenomenally disciplined and get it right the first time. The other is I think their brand has morphed into a hospitality brand. It's not so much about your phone's screen size. It's about the last personal experience you had touching Apple, either at the Apple store or at the Genius Bar or online. And it's much easier to produce a consistent product experience than to make sure the genius bar person you're sitting next to didn't talk to you in an arrogant fashion.
1: And for me, you know, there's the hospitality sense, but there's also the idea of the ecosystem. Apple has been able to not only create an innovative product and then ride that where now it's basically feature parity. But while everyone else was catching up there, they were doing product expansions and they launched the AirPods and the iPads and they've continued to innovate on the laptops. And now they're in the home speakers and they've built HomeKit and it's A tool and a solution and an ecosystem that takes advantage of the fact that they already have market penetration and trust with their consumers. And now really their focus is on growing other types of products like your Apple Watch and all these other things. And that's really where the innovation is coming from. So I think the lesson for me here is when you think about Apple, you can't just rest on your brand laurels when you create one product, when you have a winner, you have to continue to innovate, but it might not necessarily be in the category that you've already won.
2: It has to be in how you stitch it together. You want to tell your Apple Watch to turn on the Apple TV and show you X or Y show.
1: And you know what? For what it's worth, I spent half of my day yesterday trying to figure out how to get my Apple Watch to open my garage. This is the (laughs) ecosystem I'm talking about. It's the world we live in. And hopefully Apple will continue to innovate and make that a little easier.
2: Exactly. And they got to get those details right. Because if they can't keep their happiest customers delighted in a word of mouth world, you're not going to say, hey, let me tell you what I did. I got the Apple Watch to open my garage door. And that's what's going to drive their business. Once you said I did it in five minutes and you love it, that's what their brand is driven by. Not so
1: much now you can do it. I figured it out eventually and I'm still an Apple guy. All (laughs) right. On that note, Alan, thanks for being our guest. Thanks for coming on and talking to us about how brand should work.
2: Enjoyed it. Best of success.
1: All right. That wraps up this episode of the Martech podcast. Thanks to Alan Adamson, co-founder of MetaForce for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Alan, you can click on the link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can send him a tweet. His handle is Adamsona, which is A-D-A-M-S-O-N-A, or you could visit his company's website, which is MetaForce.co, M-E-T-A-F-O-R-C-E.co. Just one link in our show notes I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D.com, where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can also sign up for our once a week newsletter, and you can even send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you could also reach out on social media. Our handle is MartechPod on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, pretty much everywhere. Or you can contact me directly. My handle is Ben J. Shap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we publish episodes every day during the week now. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning.